Hello and welcome to Rocket, Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort, video producer at Pixelkin.org, and I'm here with Brianna Wu, head of development at Giant Space Cat. How are you doing, Brianna? I'm happy to be here again for Yay. this episode. So. <laughs> Third time's charm and the curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for everybody that doesn't know, we uh, we had some technical problems here, and we, we, we lost our episode that we recorded on Wednesday, so it's very early in the morning, and we're doing this again. Uh, mm-hmm. But guys, over at Isometric, like Steve found this thing, and I don't want to give the name of it because we don't know if it works yet. But it's like this service that you subscribe to, and what it does is it it automatically records everybody's tracks at once and syncs them up, and like downloads it to a file and like puts it in a master mix for Logic for you. So Ooh, I'm uh... really yeah, we're gonna experiment <laughs> with that and have our fingers crossed and hope that works. That sounds freaking awesome. I really yeah. hope it works. Yeah, I, I'm very upset by the ephemeralness of sound waves. I feel like once I've put them out into the air, something should have caught them. You know, something should have preserved them for me so I could access them at any time. But, you know, that's just not true. I'm also here with Christina Warren, senior tech editor at Mashable. Good morning, Christina. Good morning. And when we were talking about technical problems, I'll just own it. It was my <laughs> technical problem. I wasn't going to out you on that, Christina. No, I know we're you all are, in this together. Nice. We are all in it together, but I'm willing to out myself as me, the senior tech analyst, just the one who, <laughs> who who screwed the pooch on this one. Uh, but uh, I like I want to hear about this, uh, this this service thing. And I'm also with you, Simone. I feel like the, you're right. <laughs> Sound waves are being captured someplace, and you know what? They're being captured by the NSA. But a bump. We Please, should we should talk to them like with Leviathan. I'm sure I'm sure that it's out there somewhere. Yeah. So we'll talk somebody. To them. All of all of this is being recorded by someone somewhere. So For Christina, I I had some thoughts that I want to share with you. So, you know, one of the things that's frustrating for me is like, you know, when I took my husband's married name of Brianna Wu, it's it's not a very good name. You know, it's a name like a 24 villain. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I am, I am so jealous of your name because I've done so much political campaigning in my life. And it's like a perfect name for like going door to door and knocking on someone's door and being like, hey, have you heard about Christina Warren? She has a plan to fix <laughs> the economy. True. You do. It's very respect- it respectful. Is. Well, either that or disgraced. Like, Mm, you know, listen, Representative Warren has nothing to say on that at this time. (laughs) You know, I'm sorry. What Representative Warren has said from the beginning is... (laughs) I'm not a crook. No. Yeah. uh, Yes. (laughs) Well, what's funny Mm. is, yeah, I did not take... Well, I legally hyphenated or um so legally i'm christina warren robertson but i've kept my my name for professional reasons um but it is funny that on facebook uh girl power my husband is grant warren robertson because he he took my name too that's sweet so people are like how did you manage to get him to hyphenate and you kept your name i'm like because i'm a badass (laughs) (laughs) i'm a professional that's awesome (laughs) And, you know, oh, man, I think it's a whole nother subject for a show, how awful it is when you change your married name, how how much garbage you get about it. Like, I'm trying to leave the country, and it's like my passport is in one name, you know, like my maiden yes. name, and then my driver's license is in my new name, and PayPal stuff, and it's like PayPal's oh, whole God. thing for changing your married name is awful, <laughs> and it's just, it's the biggest pain in the butt, you know what I mean? Totally. It's, to be honest, that's one of the reasons that and the SEO factor and and lovely I'm not even lying mm-hmm. like about discounting yeah. the SEO factor of, of, of my my name um, that I didn't even want to bother like legally on my marriage license it's Warren Dash Robertson but it's not on my passport or my driver's license or anything so 
just for those reasons. It's just too difficult to deal with all of that stuff. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. I made that mistake. Don't don't make the same mistake I did. So obviously, I can never do it because the name Simone de Rochefort is such a one in a million catch. I'm never giving that up. No, it's fantastic. no. You should. Well, speaking of like Bond villains, like that's oh like, yeah, the ultimate, that's the that's the ultimate like Bond babe. Like I'm name. the like, villain, and then Brianna is my my henchman. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, don't Fair don't enough. give your name up. That's perfect. But I was also thinking about your name, Simone, and it follows the same like pattern as characters from uh, Final Fantasy thirteen because you know oh, yeah. you have like Vanille de Uerba, which mm. is you know Vanille of the village Uerba. And is that yeah. is that the pattern for French that names? Is, that is yeah. actually my my nationality is Final Fantasy thirteen. <laughs> uh, I I actually don't know. I don't know if that was what they were going for when they they made those names. But it would be super cool if they did. Are you the Ragnarok? Are you coming yeah. back to destroy all life on, on Pulse? Obviously. Are you going to do that? Okay. Obviously. Gosh. Okay. I'm scared now. I even have to explain this to you? Gosh. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> it doesn't turn out well for Vanille, so I'm worried for you now. First step is that snowstorm you guys have over there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I will uh, I will get uh, my tinfoil hat on and start telling people about that Thank immediately. You. No problem. Thank you. <laughs> Apparently at seven in the morning, I get feisty. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, destroy the earth. Go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So do you guys want to get right into the show? Let's do this. Let's so, do this. Awesome. Awesome. So <laughs> yeah, what we're going to do, uh, just, you know, because this is episode three, a pattern we're going to try to follow with this show is, you know, we're going to try to start with like a hard hitting technical in-depth topic every single week. And then, you know, kind of get into, you know, other topics as they may fall from there. So, you know, the general formula for Rocket is going to be you know, three stories a week. So the story we're going to start with this week is, um, you know, Microsoft, they're kind of in in a bind. For the longest time, uh, you know, a lot of their company's revenue has come from the, uh, the office suite of apps. And as consumers have moved more and more towards mobile, um, you know, obviously they've been, you know, hemorrhaging a little bit of profits from that, uh, you know, especially as Windows has gotten less and less market share outside of the enterprise. So uh, Microsoft this week uh, released their their new version of Outlook. And um, actually, I'm going to turn this over to you, Simone, because you, you worked with it extensively yesterday. And yes, I thought, I did. Yeah, yeah, I thought you would maybe uh, share some of your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I downloaded the app right away, and I was just really impressed. I know it's a rebranding of an existing app called Accompli, and Microsoft acquired that app and brought the team into the Outlook team, and I'm really, really impressed with it. I haven't I haven't used Outlook since way, way back in the early days, but this app is just so well-made. It's so easy to use, and so I hooked up both um, my Gmail, two of my Gmails to it, and it synced perfectly. And it has two folders, basically a focused folder and an other folder. And it man, even though um, those folders are different from my Gmail categories, which are, you know, my inbox, my social and all the, you know, marketing crap that gets forwarded to me, it automatically put those emails in the correct category, even though the categories were different on Outlook as compared to Gmail. And I was just very impressed with the ability to schedule things and the look of the app and the feel of the app in general. I'm super happy with it. And I think it's kind of made my Apple Mail app 
irrelevant. <laughs> I hate to say it, but that's that's what's happening right now. The only thing I think I, I found a, a block for me this morning, which was that my work email, my Pixelkin email, I'm getting those emails, but because I use a sort of, um, I use a proxy so I can send Pixelkin emails from my Gmail account. I just do the drop down and change the name. I have not yet figured out how to get that to work hmm. on this app, which is hope I imagine I can't imagine that that wouldn't be a feature so I think I need to look into it more but if it doesn't work that's going to be a problem because it means I can't send work emails only receive them and I can I can schedule them to come back later and pop up so I can read them again which is a wonderful feature but yeah I mean can't you I... enter in your your pixel can settings manually and just have the account automatically set up there unfortunately on the list of um services um under when you add accounts the service that i use for my pixelkin account isn't there so but and you can't can't just manually like set it up like and put in your imap settings like it doesn't have like an advanced place to add something in i have not found one so far but i correct i'm going to definitely look into it today and correct me if i'm wrong but so far i have not found that ability Well, if that doesn't exist, that's a, you know, a no-go for me completely. And, mm-hmm. you know, so often, I mean, can we just say it, Christina, I'm sure, I hope you'll back me up here. <laughs> but I mean, Apple Mail is not the best. It's, it's no. terrible. And, no, you know, actually, definitely. what I found that was so frustrating when I was in France this week is uh, Apple Mail flat out would not work in France for whatever reason. It wouldn't what? work on my iOS device. It would kind of work on my Mac. Uh, and I don't know if those were the, the custom ports that I have set up or the security because you know like with obviously with um, giant space cat we're all such huge targets you know for hacking that we have like the most extreme security you could possibly have on everything you know Mm two-factor authentication you know ports ssl encryption everything is set up there and you know so configuring these email uh, slots is it's Mm non-trivial it's it's very frustrating every time i get a new ios device and i end up saying it up it takes me i actually haven't done it on my ipad that i use because it's such a pain in the butt to do (laughs) so i don't know um christina like what were what were your thoughts on this yeah you know i haven't spent a ton of time with it but i played a lot with the compli when that was out and i liked it and um i i added one account to the the new outlook app um but i I didn't add uh, my, my main mail account i just didn't have time to deal with it but i really like it and i think that it's a really smart move from microsoft um i mean even though you know as simone said you know they basically just rebranded this other app the fact that they're doing that and the fact that it's more than just like the the you know um owa Mm -hmm. wrapper that kind of existed before for office 365 people like this is a real mail app that can really take on the likes of of gmail and uh, mailbox and uh, dispatch and some of the other you know mail clients um but it's really accessible and it's easy to use and i love the fact that like it integrates with cloud services so well um other than than you know OneDrive like it works mm-hmm. with you know yes. Dropbox and with Google uh um Drive and and I use Dropbox for for everything and that to me um is frankly a really great move on Microsoft's behalf that, that they're being that open to being integrating with these other services it's sort of interesting because I think if it feels to me like it, you know and you're mentioning this earlier Brianna like you know, they've, they're kind of having to claw their way back uh, quite a mm-hmm. bit because they've lost so much ground on mobile and, and Windows has become less important. And so as a result, it's been interesting to see them. And this is not just for, you know, um, 
Office, but I, we've seen it in a lot of places with Microsoft where they're really becoming open to being extensible and interoperable with other companies, uh, which mm-hmm. is no, the antithesis of a Microsoft move from a decade ago or two decades ago. So it's it's interesting to see them really pushing to be as complementary to other services as possible. It's like they finally acknowledged, we know we're not going to be the only company you use, but we mm-hmm. want to be one of the companies you use and we want to make it easy for you to use our stuff. I think it's really smart there. I think it, it shows a, a maturity that they took this app that was existing and great and said, you know, we don't need to remake this right now. We can bring it in and put it out under our name and bring changes later if we want them. I just think that was a really a good move. Um, yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. What what I found what I found really surprising about this is, you know, just to go back a bit, you know, again, Microsoft's revenues come from Microsoft Office for so mm-hmm. long that I A found it surprising they're not charging for this app. Yeah. But what I found more surprising was, you know, including support for Google Docs. I know Simone, you were telling me about how um, you know, they they basically integrated your ability to edit Google Docs at Pixel Kin, that it worked very easily yeah. with that. Um, I remember like all through the years of upgrading my suite of Microsoft Office, you know, ever since like 1995, it was just depressing year after year <laughs> after year to see all the garbage Microsoft would tack onto Microsoft Word, which was the only word processor for a long, long time in an effort to kind of, you know, uh, give users a reason to upgrade. Um, And what I find surprising is here in 2015, when it comes to the ability to edit documents as a group, um, there doesn't really seem to be anything that's even in the same league as, you know, Google, Google, Google Docs. Definitely. You know, nothing will let you, there's stuff that will let groups collaborate on stuff, but like editing and altering a document on the fly. I mean, Christy, you've probably had the experience of like altering a document with someone as you're working, right? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, and, you know, um, I actually, there's a, yeah, I mean, then that, that becomes like the, it, it's either a great thing or, or a nightmare where, you know, <laughs> you're making, you're making an edit and, and someone else is making an edit and stuff gets jumbled or if things work the way they're supposed to, you know, you're able to kind of see each other's edits simultaneously. But yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, that's been frequently, I mean, was one of Microsoft's really good strengths was, you know, group editing. Um, And, uh, you know, Google Docs, I think, replaced that for a lot of people. I use an app called Quip, actually, um, Mm. for for, for, which is uh, 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 Brett, um, I can't think of his last name. He um, was the CTO at Facebook, and he created, he was one of the co-creators of Google Maps. And um, it's his company, and it's basically Google Docs, but like a million times better. Nice. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. So, I mean, Christina, like, I mean, you're you're obviously the tech expert here. I mean, what what's your analysis of this move? Do you think it's gonna? Do you think it's smart? I mean, with no revenue, it's it seems to me it's a real bind for Microsoft Office. That yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think that this has to be a revenue play. I think that this has to be a branding play. This has to be a get people using Outlook as a brand. 
um, and then the revenue might eventually come. I think the, the, this, the idea here would be, okay, you can use this amazing email app and we're the one who you're using your email through. It doesn't matter if we're not providing you your email, you're using our app. Right. And, and so that's a certain branding play and a certain, um, I think, sentiment play where it go- then goes, okay, well, I need an office suite and I need to be able to do collaborative document stuff. I need to do other things. Maybe I'm going to check out Office 365 because I'm not happy with maybe some of the things Google Docs are doing or maybe I need you know, more, more business oriented features. Um, and, and maybe, I, or maybe I would like, you know, some access to these apps. Um, I think that they just need to get people continuing to use and rely on office as a standard. And if that's the case, mm-hmm. giving it away for free is a really good way of doing it because otherwise everybody does just move to Google, which is not as good, but it's free. <laughs> and so, you know, um, so much I think of their revenue is independent from businesses more than individuals and businesses are still going to pay because they want the support and businesses pay for Google anyway, uh, most of them anyway. And so I, I think it's one of those things where they can just say, we need to prove that this is still the standard. And to do that, they need to have a really good mobile uh, set of applications. And I think that this is where this fits in. So the revenue, I think, can come later on. What would be more troubling would be if they didn't have any product at all, which is what's been the situation for quite some time, because no one's moving a Windows phone. Um, you know, mm-hmm. as interesting as it is, and it's, it's, I like a lot of the ideas behind it, no one's going to Windows phone. And so you can't not be on what is now the the central computing platform for most people, which is mobile devices. Right. And mm-hmm. and so if you want to capture the next generation of office workers and of people who are going to be, you know, your your customers, I feel like, yeah, you gotta get them using it and liking your product. So but what what worries me, and, and maybe I'm not seeing Microsoft's long term play here, but you know, they announced last week and we talked about this that they're basically giving away Windows ten to anyone with Windows seven or Windows eight. So, you know, and with them giving this away, like where is you know, they've talked about Microsoft <laughs> Where do we draw the line? <laughs> well, no, I mean, we're ser- they've talked about Windows as a service, right? So the idea is their long term play is I'm sitting in my house and I have my Xbox and I have my Windows computer, and it's all integrated into my home and my phone and everything, right? So where is the point where they are having revenue for Windows as a service? Like, is that coming from this? I I have to confess, I don't know what Office 365 is. Like, (laughs) I know my husband who still uses Hotmail, and it makes me crazy, (laughs) you know, pays for this in some capacity. But where's where's the revenue going to come for them, ultimately? Mm -hmm. Right. So what Office 365 is, is basically it is an Office um, subscription service. So it's kind of like what Adobe has done with, it, with, with Adobe CC, where, right. uh, with the Creative Cloud, where what it is is that you get Office on a certain number of computers. I think for the, the home version, it's up to five computers and tablets. And you can have the web version, which lets you do a lot of things and is a lot like Google Docs, but better. Um, you can also have the full Windows programs and you can have the full Mac programs. So you can install these on up to five machines and then have them, I think, on up to 10 tablets or phones, and you pay $100 a year. And it also gives you, I think, a terabyte of space on on OneDrive. And so what they're trying to do is shift from people buying the suite, you know, uh, once and then maybe upgrading every, you know, four or five years to people paying a continuous subscription for Office. And 
what some people are thinking they're going to try to do is move the same thing to Windows. So instead of paying, you know, they give you Windows for free. Um, maybe, you know, if you're upgrading from, from Windows 7 or, or 8 or 8.1. Uh, but subsequent years, if you want to continue to getting some of these great updates and some of this great stuff, you'll pay. Similar to, to what they've done with, you know, Xbox Gold. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, granted, they, they, they've made the Live Gold, you know, package a little bit different. And they've started to give everybody Netflix for free, which... Oh, that was the anyway. worst. That was the worst move they ever made. <laughs> I know so many people that didn't get an Xbox because of that. Oh, exactly. And so the fact that that they you know now at least give you you know free free Netflix and and stuff like that. But if you want to have access to these other features, you know you pay. And I know we all pay for our Xbox Live memberships. So mm-hmm. um, I think that that's the idea is that they will give you a value add that you pay yearly or or you know um, biannually or whatever. Uh, for the service. And I think that's that's the, the, the direction that they're hoping to move into. So that you can kind of have these, you know, free products that kind of get you in the door. Mm-hmm. And then they want to upsell you, hey, if you really like this stuff, we've got this whole suite, the subscription thing, and it'll always be updated, always give you new features, and you don't have to worry about upgrading to the next version, you'll always get the latest version. Um, we just need to charge you X amount a year. So when you said uh, Microsoft Word was better than Google Docs, that really surprised me. Why? What features does it have that it's better? Because to me, Google Docs killer feature is A, free, but B, it's the, <laughs> mm-hmm. the live collaboration between people. Like it kicks pages butt all over the map on that. So, oh, it totally does. Yeah. It totally does. Um, well, uh, Office 365's uh, Word uh, collaboration works the same way. And you oh. can also do that if you've got somebody on uh, the Windows version, they can even like collaborate in real time in the Windows app with the web version so other people can see changes. Um, and I, I don't know, I've run into things uh, just in the past with formatting stuff that I just really can't stand about Google Docs. It's oh. my personal pet peeve. But the live the live collaboration stuff works really well. Um, I like Quip best. I think Quip does, does the best job, and that's mm-hmm. also free. Oh. Um, but... Uh, yeah, um, you know, but that that's sort of been, I think, that the problem is that Office 365, the web versions of Office have actually been really good for a long time, but because they cost money and and they didn't have any sort of freeway for people to test them out, m- nobody got in the door. And now I think Microsoft's trying to get people in the door by competing with free a little bit and then saying, hey, if you like this and you want, you know, a real spreadsheet program, you know, f- because obviously, you know, um, Everybody, if you if you're going to be using anything in spreadsheets, you have to use Excel. It's just yeah, there, there's much. there's no alternative. Yeah. Sorry, Google um, Sheets. It's no, true. Google Sheets is is insane and terrible, and and not even <laughs> remotely reliable for anything. And and Numbers is kind of crap too. So yeah. you know, I think a lot of people like I probably buy Office 365 primarily for Excel, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, Certainly not for PowerPoint, uh, but uh, <laughs> that but is the worst program on earth. It really is. Just, I have really a secret is. fondness for it, not really? because of its efficiency, but because I I like making PowerPoints. I find it fun. You but don't find Keynote better? I love Keynote though. Yeah, why, yeah. Why you know I have, Keynote? I haven't used Keynote, so oh my god, cool. <gasps> I'm gonna right. buy Should you a change copy over? of Keynote. I'll change over. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, if you Keynote- like if you like making if you like PowerPoint if you think PowerPoint's fun just wait until you try a real oh my god um, a real presentation app yeah yeah all right it's great I especially love the the iPad you know unification with that yeah you know, being able it's, to- it's really fantastic so awesome think, yeah go sorry ahead. honestly what I'm curious about is uh, when you were mentioning them having people pay for the Office 365 and there's been all this talk about what they're going to change about 
Outlook, if they're going to add anything, I'm wondering if eventually there will be some kind of paid feature for it. Like, what do you think, Christina? Yeah, I think that probably makes sense. I think maybe at some point they might have like a yearly thing or something else where maybe they'll give you either, you know, maybe they'll bring in some of those mailbox-like features so that, um, you know, you can have, you know, snoozing and reminding for certain things or, mm. or maybe additional storage or, or maybe something like having custom account support for different types of mail types if it was something that's like – and I'm not talking about um, the, the situation you're dealing with, um, Simone, with, with mm-hmm. like, a, a, you know, Pixelden's um, email, but I'm um, – thinking more like if you had a really secure or really specific like business setup, maybe yeah. that would be like an add-on feature. So, I mean, I think they have opportunities there for sure. Definitely. I just think there's a lot of innovation to be made in the, the mail space. And I think, you know, Apple's failure to integrate, you know, I'm sorry, to basically improve the, the program that I don't know about you guys, but I have so much email. I actually have a separate employee at my company to help me deal yeah. with it all, you know? So I, I think that there's, there's a lot of innovation to be found there. And I think it's really telling that, you know, Simone, people of your generation don't really use email as much, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. I don't know. I would uh, I'd definitely like to see. I think there's a lot of. I think there's a lot of innovation to be had there as well as like sorting it and responding to it. And I, I just, I think this is a very exciting move for Microsoft. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Yay. So does anyone have anything else to say there before we move on? I don't think Nothing. so. Yay, Microsoft. Yeah. Yay, two weeks in a row, thank you. <laughs> two weeks in a row, we've been like, yay, Microsoft. Yeah, it's good. To, <laughs> but it's good. I mean, I want Microsoft to be... I do too. I, well, yeah, I just I'm want Microsoft to be okay, guys. I'm like, <laughs> I'm really worried about them. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, we have our first sponsor we this do. week. And Simone, I'm going to toss that over to you. Going to be excited about it. I'm super excited about it. Yeah. Uh, this week's episode of Rocket has been brought to you by Text Expander from smile yay thank you text expander saves you time and effort by expanding short abbreviations into frequently used text and pictures it could be a simple email signature or several paragraphs of a standard response it's easy to use text expander to avoid typing the same thing over and over and over again you can make customized boilerplate replies fast and easy using fill-ins and easily create snippets from apple scripts and shell scripts for powerful integrations which means if you have a fill-in form that you want to do you can just create the fill-in drop it in it's done in a couple of keystrokes amazing and you can sync snippets via dropbox to use on multiple devices with text expander on ios and i know you guys use text expander and you love it so yeah um, yeah no it's a it's a fantastic program and there's a there's a reason that just about every software engineer i know including myself uses this so much i mean it's yeah I know I'm really, really particular about my formatting. So, you know, when I'm coding, there are a lot of headers and things like that that I have mm-hmm. automatically, you know, programmed to go. But like I was telling you guys, the last time we recorded this spot, yeah, there's a, I use it a lot for, uh, for my emoticons and team chat at G, you know, Giant Space mm-hmm. Cat. So, you know, like there's a table flip, uh, you know, emoticon, you know, the guy. It has the the person with the ASCII strokes like flipping over the table, and I actually have one set up for that. It's percentage time table flip, mm-hmm. and it will just write that out for me. I just you know it's it's something I use every single day. I use the um, you know the Dropbox integration, and I love it. And this mm-hmm. is I think if you are very serious about your job, like chances are there's something you can use this for. 
Mm-hmm. Totally agree. I use it all the time. I mean, both for real work and for things like ASCII emoticons. Um, That's well, not I real literally- work? <laughs> I know, I know. No, I mean, but I'm like looking through my my text expander, uh, my snippets folders, and I have text expander snippets. I have ASCII emoticons. I have a category called Mashable, um, which some of it is scripted, some of it is other things. Um, I have uh, emojis. Um, I have um, some HTML and CSS shorteners and, and some other uh, kinds of things. And so, yeah, I mean, I use, I use text expander every single day. Um, there are certain codes and certain things we have to insert into our posts at Mashable. And it's annoying to have to type the same thing in all the time. So for mm-hmm. instance, we always have a see also link to, in- to include a link to another story. And I'll copy the link on my clipboard and then just type in all one word see also, and it puts in the correct bracket code and then takes the URL of my clipboard and puts it in the right place. Hmm. So I literally only have to type, you know, six letters or seven letters um, to insert this whole you know block of code in and it saves so much time. Nice. And I have things like that for all kinds of of things that I do with my writing every day. So literally without text expander, my productivity would be mm-hmm. way, way less. <laughs> and I would not be able to do the ASCII uh, shrug symbol nearly as quickly. I just imagine Christina on the Today Show, she's got like braces on both hands for a carpal tunnel, for, like tapping out mashable codes at the end of every single text entry. That would yes, be awesome. That, that would be, that would be totally, that would be it has saved my wrist that th- this should really be what the tagline for text expander is. <laughs> mm-hmm. It has saved my wrist from braces. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. You're great on the today show, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I was just watching that before we started the call. I had just started it. You hadn't even appeared yet. And I was like, no, <laughs> I had to go talk to this person instead of watching them on TV. <laughs> that's really sad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one should have to do that. I'm sorry. So yeah, if you would like to learn more about Text Expander, head over to smilesoftware.com slash rocket and download it today. And you can also use it in over 60 apps in the store that have integrated snippets like Omni Outliner 2, Day 1, Fantastic Hal 2, Drafts, Launch Instant Pro, etc, etc. It's really awesome. So and we want to thank them for sponsoring us. Thank you. They're our first sponsor. So years from now, when Rocket is still on the air, we're going to look back and remember Mm -hmm. our first sponsors like fondly. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) we'll always have a a, just a a bit of our heart that we'll go to smile. By then, text expander will be on everything, and I'll only ever have to type one letter to say everything that I ever want. Text expander will be our corporate president. Yes. Awesome, awesome. So let's get to our uh, second topic this yeah. week, which uh, this is a this is a fun one. This is a fun Super one. Super exciting. So uh, Simone, I guess I'll, I'll throw that this one over to you too to kind of talk about. Yeah, we heard the news about the new Ghostbusters casting today for Go or not today. Wow. <laughs> This week, <laughs> this week. <laughs> I'm really just focused on today. This week, we heard some really exciting news about the casting for the new Ghostbusters movie, which is all women. They for sure signed Melissa McCarthy, and they're talking to Kristen Wiig, Leslie Jones, and Kate McKinnon, who are all SNL veterans, and they're going to be the main characters in a Ghostbusters movie yeah. that is written ah! yeah, by Katie Dippold, who has credits with Parks and Rec and The Heat, and... That if that's not the most exciting pop culture news, I don't know what is. It's, I'm really excited for this. Yeah. I'm really excited, but though I am a little bit worried if if I mm-hmm. if I were honest about it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, seeing a beloved geek franchise like have all women in it that's really exciting, and mm-hmm. you know, something I think I think people are so wrapped up sometimes in 
feeling, I think men specifically are wrapped up in feeling like this, this white dude is the default that I think they, Mm -hmm. they probably don't have a a consciousness about how left out. I mean, I know I certainly feel when I watch a lot of Mm -hmm. geek movies, Um, like a good example of that would be guardians of the galaxy. I mean, Nebula and Gamora were awesome, but, you know, largely speaking, there's so many dudes in that movie that it feels like, you know, it feels like their movie. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a a good metaphor for geek culture. I mean, how Mm -hmm. do you, how do you guys feel about that? I think that, yeah, I definitely feel that way. And that's why I think this is so important because it's, it's a movie that is not, you know, a women's movie. It's not a movie about women and those strange women problems that no one wants to see, <laughs> which is ridiculous. You know, those, those, those are human problems, but it's a f- going to be, I hope, a fun, funny movie with supernatural elements. It's like all the stuff that you want to see in a summer blockbuster and it's going to have women just by, you know, by default. And I think that's well, that should be something that we should expect as part of the status quo is just this movie's going to have all women in it, or this movie will have a, a balanced cast of yeah. all genders, you know? I mean, at the least get it to 50. I mean, I think yeah. <laughs> yeah, there have been studies about this that, you know, for men, it feels like, you know, uh, it feels like what? Like what? I've, I've had this conversation. It's the 30, I think it's the 30%. It's either 30 or 15%. Right. Um, or you'll, 30. or you'll be like, hey, there aren't a lot of women in this movie. And they'll right. point out one token woman that's in the movie. And you're oh, like, that's my pet peeve. Oh, my God. Like, like, yeah. Has dude. there ever been a character that's this, this, this? And one example. There's the one example. And it's like, oh, you're right. You're right. There's one of them. Right. I was right. wrong. Yeah, wow. <laughs> like there's one so yeah exactly there's there, there's one there's one girl where everything is fine now mm-hmm. and i love <laughs> the one girl but you know you no know, totally sometimes you know. she's really cool but sometimes she's also just like there like yeah it, she's usually the straight person too which to me is, <sighs> is why this is exciting because it's great to be able to have funny women yes. in a movie um and paul feig is so good at that the guy who's directing uh, this new ghostbusters he directed bridesmaids which um i loved i thought it was one of the funniest movies that year mm-hmm. and um he knows how to, to 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 direct women really well so i'm i'm looking forward to it i just i i'm kind of with you Brie. i mean i don't want people's expectations to be so high that yeah. nothing will be able to live up to it but i feel like the 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 casting rumors are really strong and you know i, I can't imagine a bad movie with this writer and and this director and those people yeah the, i think the chemistry of the cast is going to be a huge part of it. And also on SNL, they do quite a bit of workshopping and improv kind of things too. So I would expect that that dynamic would be part of the filmmaking process, hopefully. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, and, and the fact that some of them, have, you know, they've all, I mean, I think except for Melissa McCarthy and she's hosted SNL, you know, they've mm-hmm, all worked yeah. together. So I think that helps too, just, you know, getting over some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so, no, I mean, at, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think mm-hmm. that, I, I am I'm, I think that women fighting ghosts who who doesn't want to see that I mean I like know. look I mean finally something that represents my life <laughs> exactly exactly I mean yes vampire slaying has been fun but that's passe we need to fight ghosts so true oh man no no I completely agree of course though you know to me I think even outside the representing women angle I think like what's exciting to me about this movie is it's it's finding a take that is 
different and fresh. Um, mm-hmm. Did either of you guys play the Ghostbuster game that came out for PS3 a while back, which was yes. kind of the unofficial you know, third Ghostbusters 3? Do you know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, I know exactly Not. what you're talking about. It was actually pretty good. It was it was a good game, but I also felt like the plot felt extremely oh, derivative. Was, it was. It you was. Know? And this well, and was I, something Dan Aykroyd helped write. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, again, that's what where they have a really interesting opportunity here is that it's happening – you know, 25 years or 30 years after the first film. And it's happening um, with new characters and a new director. And I feel like they can kind of retell the origin story and maybe have some some winks and nods to the past. But it doesn't have to be a continuation of the Ghostbusters we know and mm-hmm. love. And that should hopefully make it easier for new fans to kind of appreciate. Because it's not saying that your old Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 don't exist anymore. They can still exist and those characters mm-hmm. can still be there. But this is just kind of a new take on kind of that spin. Um, and, and I hope that that's the direction that he goes in rather than trying to recreate that first film and trying to reposition the characters into those roles. Because I think that's the problem that the remakes happen a lot of times. Like I think of the A-Team film, which was not as terrible as I thought it would be, but it was one of those weird things where they were so, you know, gung-ho on keeping the same characters um, and, and the same kind of character sensibilities as with the TV show that I think they kind of lost the ability if they'd gone maybe in a different direction and, and just let the characters kind of exist differently mm-hmm. and have yeah. maybe a similar um, thesis, but different ways of getting there. And and so I hope that that's what, what happens is that they don't feel like hamstrung into saying, okay, well, you're definitely the Acroid in, in this <laughs> one and you're the Moranis and, 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 you know, and, and, you know, you're, you're the Murray, like I, they, they can just live on their own. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I guess I'd, I'd flip that question back to you, Christina. Like, what do you think they have to do to make this movie successful? Because when I think about, like, a perfect sequel, um, you know, I think about Aliens, which really <laughs> took this this idea from Alien, which was excellent, an A, 10 out of 10 movie. But then they added to the mythos in some very subtle ways that kind of expanded what we knew about the alien. And I think that for this Ghostbusters movie to work, like, I think it will be so terrible and so disappointing if it comes back and it's like, you know, this is Dr. Venkman's daughter or, you know, yeah. like Sigourney uh, Weaver's, whatever that child's no. name was that grew exactly. up. Like, they've got to find some fresh take on the mythology mm-hmm. or the Ghostbusters idea to make it, you know, basically worth doing a third film of her. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and I'm kind of hoping that the way that they kind of approach it is that it's not tied that directly to that, you know, string theory. I mean, it might be just, you know, Ghostbusters as a franchise kind of continue to exist. Maybe the world continue to move on. And these are just people who are part of it. Or mm-hmm. go back and do an origin story of kind of the whole thing and maybe have some winks and nods to the earlier stuff. But I, I feel like, yeah, I mean, it would be terrible if it was someone's daughter. And and that was that. I mean, that was the tie-in because that's terrible, and that never works. Um, uh, Degrassi: The Next Generation being the one exception, uh, <laughs> and, and, and and I say that just because that's a guilty pleasure. Um, but yeah, you you don't need to have the. I feel like they can lovingly acknowledge where they came from without having to make that a core part of the story. Mm-hmm. I really feel like they need to just make it its own story that's separate. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, maybe it can be aware in some elements, but it needs to be separate from what happened beforehand. Don't get hung up on trying to mimic or recreate exactly or recreate. No, I mean, you know, because this, I, I really feel like the best way to approach this would be to treat it as if it's its, its own film. Yeah, especially and, something as classic as Ghostbusters. Like the exactly. minute you try to, you know, 
re- exactly. bring that in. Yeah. Anyway. So what I'm worried about here is I'm, I'm worried that this movie is going to per- be perceived as like a, 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 a critical final, you know, battlefield to be oh. overanalyzed for women in geek culture. Because, like, well, let's look at the one of the games I've talked about ad nauseum. You know, the Tomb Raider 20, 2012 remake by mm-hmm. uh, reboot by, you know, those largely written by Rihanna Pratchett, uh, which I think is one of the most feminist, awesome, empowered games in all of gaming history. Um, oh, totally. It's, it's beyond great. There's this great line in there where uh, Lara, uh, Lara Croft is like walking through and they're talking about, um, you know, the sun goddess and, you know, Lara has this line, well, if any woman gets power sooner or later she's gonna be accused of being a witch you know which is a which is a very subtle line but it, it had a lot of depth to it yeah um so when it came to like tomb raider which was held up to be this like feminist um this feminist game quite correctly i had skill i had faith in rihanna pratchett's skill to write that that i think it really lived up to that and more yeah, no offense to Melissa McCarthy, but and because I do love, I like her work, but you know I don't hold her to be in the same, um, you know, basically area of depth as say, um, you know, Rihanna Pratchett's writing. I think, I mm-hmm. think what I like about Melissa McCarthy a lot is. I feel like there's this very narrow range by which women can exist in Hollywood. You know, they have to be gorgeous and of a certain mm-hmm. age. And it's this very narrow range that we're allowed to exist there. And I like her characters because they're three-dimensional and kind of outside this very narrow type. And I think that's good. But I also, with respect to her, I don't think it's always the smartest comedy. And what I worry about is that this is going to be held up and heralded as like the ultimate you know, battlefield for, for <laughs> feminism. And I think it's going to fall short. That's the problem is that, you know, what it will be ultimately is an American comedy film. And yes. depending on how you feel about American comedy films, your mileage may vary. I really want there to be more just typical kind of fluffy, silly American comedy films starring women that don't have to be groundbreaking, that don't have to be the smartest comedy written in years. I think that's such an unfair standard to hold things to. And I know that, you know, people will be going to this and being like, well, it wasn't as funny as Hot Fuzz or something, which it will, nothing will ever be. But No, no, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of, that's my worry. Like, like you said, Bree, is that people will expect it to be something, people will want it to be incredible because it is a film starring women. And right. it doesn't, it shouldn't need to be. And it probably won't be. <laughs> no. And that's fine. I think that's fine. I think that the only way, though, and to both of your points, that we can kind of get past this idealizing and, and mm-hmm. you know, martyring and, and holding these things up to these, this has to be this amazing standard, is to just have more funny movies with women. Yeah, exactly. And to make it less of a one-off thing where it's not a, a unicorn and yeah. make it more common. And so I think that that's what's great about this, is that hopefully this will open things up. I mean, Bridesmaids did a lot for that. And and I, I, I always think back of one of my favorite films, the very underrated The Sweetest Thing, yeah. uh, which mm-hmm. was such a funny movie and not a great movie, but really funny and really fun and not like 
great cinema, but great to kind of rewatch and just girls being girls and being just as dirty and raunchy as guys, <laughs> at which which we know that women are. And I think seeing mm-hmm. more films like mm-hmm. that, where yes, it doesn't have to be this great piece of art or this great testament to feminism. And even though a million think pieces will be written, of course, and, and it would be, <laughs> you know, our, my eyes are already rolling in the back of my head thinking about all the essays on Medium that are going to be about the new Ghostbusters film. I think that just the fact that we can have a movie starring yeah. women being funny, and it can be an American comedy, to your point, Simone, is really important. And that's the only way we get more of those, is to have mm-hmm. more of those types of films. And then um, it becomes less common, and we don't have to hold each one to being, you know, the piece of, you know, it doesn't have the to be. Standard, the standard, yeah. Exactly. It doesn't have to be the most amazing comedy of all time. Yeah. It just can be a funny movie that people enjoy. Christina, oh, after after we record this podcast, can you go write something for Mashable talking about <laughs> Hobbit 3? And can be like, <laughs> can men carry a film on their own? What? Yeah, seriously. What? This movie was not good. What? Do men have a future in action movies? <laughs> I, I want to see that after every single mediocre film that just I excludes agree. women. So. I agree. Well, did you guys yeah. see Jezebel wrote, uh, I think it was it was Gawker, I guess it was, where they had um, a post that was like, what what if sex, people kept throwing out, oh, well, you know, it'd be like if Sex in the City was cast only with men. And someone actually did that cast. It's basically, you know, the TV show Entourage, but they basically cast <laughs> every Sex in the City character with a male actor and with a male name and with the exact same character characteristics that the that the women in Sex and the City had. And to me it was just such the perfect rebuttal to this idea that, oh, you can't, you know, that this 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 whole thing yeah. is it belongs to men. It's like, no, actually characters, people, you know, you can write characters that are gender neutral. And, and obviously our gender helps um, you know, evoke certain things about us, but characteristics mm-hmm. of people are 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 not binary. And and you can have a great comedy, whether starring both men and, or, or women. You know, it, it doesn't have to be to adhere to a, a state of womenness. And and uh, I'll, I'll I'll put the the link to the um, the Gawker post in the show notes because it was really funny to just kind of show actually you know taking the exact same character kind of like uh, background, um, casting it as male, it would seem like. I could see this movie being made. So why can't we do the reverse mm-hmm, where yeah. where it's starring women and, well, and everybody cool loves idea. it? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I strongly they did it with, agree. With Battlestar Galactica, they did it with Hannibal. They, yep. There have been many, many successful times that that has been done. So <sighs> I just, I, I it, it's amazing to me. Like the, the key to writing women well is it's so simple. It's stupid. And it's it's just... Well, you have to know her breast size right, right off the bat. Right. Yeah, that's extremely yep. important. Yeah. No, it's just write women as people. And mm-hmm. that's that's it. Like in Revolution 60, you know, something... It's like every single one of our characters are kind of archetypes. You know, like Amelia mm-hmm. is the, the smart hacker girl. But by having them play every single role in the script, it's like you just got to see them as three-dimensional people yeah. with emotions and... And, you know, real emotional reactions to things. And even though, you know, something I think I failed at in our game is I think we over-sexualize them a bit. Um, I think that, you know, just emotionally, we always treated them as people first. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very proud of that work. And I, I it's not... It's, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. So Yeah, I mean, it's good writing. It's just thinking, you know, how is Amelia going to react in this situation rather than how is... How is a woman going to react? Right, exactly. Right, right. Yeah. I'm <sighs> really excited thinking about all the... Well, I, I'm really excited and scared thinking about all the kids who have never seen the original Ghostbusters who are going to go see this and um, hopefully really dig it. 
So I, I'm not looking forward to all the, the fights I'm going to have on Twitter about it. I know, oh. I know right away it's going to be a bloodbath and it's going to be... It's already a bloodbath. It Ugh. is, it is, it is. But Christine, have you guys done anything at Mashable? Like talking about all the, the frankly sexist responses to this movie? We already? have actually. We have. Yeah. Um, I haven't written anything about it, but but our, our um, some of other members of our team definitely have because the the responses are just insane. Yeah. And, and it's it's... That's why I thought that Jezebel story about, you know, yes, an all-male sex in the city <laughs> is possible because it's just the perfect rebuttal um, to to that entire um, thing. Um, but, yeah, no, we, we've written a number of things about some of those responses, and it's just – it's it's ridiculous. Uh, we, but we also um, – did something which is great where we we remade the female ghostbuster case uh, uh cast as a uh, paper dolls oh my yeah, god actually, oh my gosh yeah our, our artist bob actually drew paper dolls um for the the new characters which is awesome that sounds that great so cool yeah bob is amazing he's a fantastic illustrator and he actually created like and you can actually print them out if you wanted to and uh make them into actual paper dolls I think Sounds that's great. what I'll be doing at Pixelkin today. <laughs> <laughs> you should set them up at your office cubicle. You should just do it all along the top there. So, oh my God, does this mean we're going to get like Ghostbuster toys? Like, I have, like a... <gasps> oh my God, I hadn't even oh thought of that. You God. guys, this is, oh, oh no. my God. I'm going to have a proton pack or I'll be able to buy like a fitted like jumpsuit. You know, yes, I was going to say we tailored. can finally, oh my God, you guys, yeah. we can finally like go for Halloween as, as Ghostbusters. Oh, oh my, my God. I'm so excited. Yes. The Halloween costumes and the toys are amazing. And I'm so excited now. I hadn't even thought of the toys. What do you think they're <laughs> going to make up to be the Ecto One? Like, what's the modern car they use for an Ecto One? <laughs> like, like a Humvee? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. What it's is the, the 3D printed car? 3D <gasps> printed car. That's, That's gotta it. be it. That's, That's it. gotta be it. Oh my god. Oh my god. Let's uh, let's move on from here and right. let's move into topic three. Simone, this is a topic you. You you basically brought you fought for for this show, so I can kick it over to you after I give a. Yeah, I fought for it. I I pasted that link right into the Facebook chat and said, "This is cool, Simone. That's called fighting for it." Mm-hmm. I, I'll fight anyone. <laughs> well, <laughs> how would you fight someone? Um, probably with um with I'll I'll be wearing my my frog snuggie and I'll I'll just like scratch their eyes out like Beecher in that episode of Oz. Um, nice. No, that's not how often. Can we talk about Oz next week? Oh, yes. hell yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, so, so if we're all Oz fans. Okay, now I know what show we're just going to have. Okay, alright. Sorry, moving on. <laughs> okay. I'm very excited <laughs> So, now. yeah. Basically, uh, Riot did a sort of experiment with League of Legends where they were priming users using color-coded messages. They had red messages, white messages, and blue messages. And so they tested out what the results were when they had warning messages outlining negative consequences in red. Like, if you are rude to your teammates, your performance will suffer in red. And um, they associated blue messages with positive behavior, and white was kind of the neutral, like, um, color to compare the results against. And they found that when you have messages containing negative consequences in red, it actually results in, you know, people not behaving badly and when you have positive consequences in blue it results in people behaving nicely and just kind of following that color coding and uh this was for um western play gamers i should say with league of legends that they found these results i think it might be different in other cultures so they basically conducted this whole psychology experiment on millions of league of legends players and 
I just find that really interesting, especially since Facebook kind of did the same thing yeah, a year for, ago. And but for we're, in more um, unethical ways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was say, I think they're kind of different situations. One is the color coding of messages you would put up anyway. Mm-hmm. The other was changing yeah. your newsfeed based on to see if they could manipulate emotions based on the yes. algorithmic changes to a newsfeed. But it wasn't was just color. It wasn't just color. Was... It was psychological priming of the messages mm-hmm. with like yes. warm up things. Like I, I thought this was genius where they would tell people like they would have the message that would come up in red and would say, hey, harassing other players actually leads to them performing worse. Mm-hmm. And that would actually stop people from doing harassment. And, you know, the whole psychology around it, it makes a lot of sense. Like they've got a product that millions and millions how many it was like 49 million people use a week or something like that it was some 27 million daily players yeah that is amazing so they actually have a product there and they know that like toxic communities are going to push people away from the bottom line Mm -hmm. and their 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 product being successful so it it makes a lot of sense that they're going to want to you know experiment with different different you know, metrics and, and methods of like minimizing that because it should yeah. ideally be a pleasant experience to play a game. And, yeah. you know, so it was like saying things like, um, you know, harassing players leads to them to do worse. They actually found when they give messages like, uh, who will be the best sportsman? That actually caused people to perform worse and to harass people more in it. Yeah, yeah. When you associate uh, positive messages with the color red, then they, it doesn't work. Right. Basically. Right. I think it's so fascinating that they've taken, like, I mean, what's interesting about this is that, A, it didn't show us anything we didn't already know because psychologists mm-hmm. have, uh, and have you know, uh, and the sociologists have found these these sorts of color things on, on the Western side for, for years, you know, yeah. so this basically just reaffirmed, you know, like decades and decades of, of, of different research. But what's fascinating to me is the fact that they were able to do it on such a large group of people. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that you could get that many people in a sample and get that much data from one week, um, mm-hmm. which is far faster. I mean, to me, it's kind of, I, I, I kind of wonder, like, should what do you guys think about the idea that maybe we should have universities working with with you know game companies or with companies like Facebook to design ways that are obviously ethical and and, and okay and maybe make it opt in but design some sort of you know sociological studies on this sort of thing because to me it seems like this is a great way to get data and and to get insight into human behavior um on a scale that we haven't really had access to before no, I completely agree. I mean, I think it's all linked together. Um, you know, something we talk a lot about in gaming circles is kind of gamifying reality and bringing some of the things we've learned about in, um, you know, gameplay design, which actually is a science, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it brings some of those ideas over to reality, like reward, you know, kind of level up chains. Like you see people actually taking these ideas and implementing them into to workforce, sometimes in evil ways, I might add. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that these things are all interconnected. And I mean, hiring the best people in the world for, for this makes a lot of sense. I don't know if you guys saw this in Boing Boing today, but they had somebody that was in charge of um, kind of, I, I forget what it was at Valve, but it was related to kind of this this monetization, like pricing structure thing. And he's actually the, uh, the Minister of Finance of Greece, if I remember correctly. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's kind of all related together. I think it's awesome. When you say getting partnering with universities and game companies to work on this, my mind immediately, of course, went to, you know, pacifying the population with encoded messages and things. But I know, like, 
for Riot, it's such an awesome thing, I think, that they've done because in their community, especially in the past, there have been there's been so much toxic toxic behavior and they've done a lot recently to try to find different ways to make the community a nice place to be and like you said Brie they you know they had they want people to stay they want people to spend money on their products but i i don't know i i can't really argue with the the results of people in a very competitive game behaving more in a more sportsmanlike manner like i think that's awesome do you do you play League of Legends? I used to um, really? in college. Really, really, <laughs> uh, very poorly, which is part of why I don't play it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's really intimidating. I I think mm-hmm. that whatever I I personally can't get into MOBAs at all. Mm-hmm. They're just not a game type that I personally enjoy. And I think the sportsmanship, like team aspect of it, is really cool. But you know, like you, I've had some real toxic behavior when I've played these games. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, with when League of Legends came out, it was um, you know for Mac, I, I tried to get into it, but it's just I think that the I think for me as a gamer, what I'm I am always looking for when I play games is story, and I think League mm-hmm. of Legends is kind of the mathematical op- opposite of that, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, it has, I think, a lot of great options for people when it comes to different play styles, um, but then for me, like, if, I, if I'm not playing with people that I know, like, I was playing with a few guys that I was friends with, and we were on a team together, and that was really fun, but if they weren't there, I wasn't really gonna go do it with strangers i guess is what it comes down to if it were something like an mmo like i wasn't i was really into city of heroes because i had my own story and i was making my own sort of narrative and i i would play that with basically anyone but um not league of legends sorry i appreciate it like as such a as a sport i guess i appreciate league of legends but do you think Twitter could hire this dude to like I, improve I Twitter? I wish. Oh my god, Twitter is blue. It should be already good. It should be happy. <laughs> yeah. But it's not a happy place. Imagine if they made oh, no. Twitter red. We'd be screwed. So. Maybe, oh, maybe no. the problem is is the default color of the egg, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. They should work on that. Yeah. They're just going to change like five pixels and then my Twitter is going to be just much more peaceful it's gonna be great yeah i would love to see them apply this to websites whether i don't working it into community guidelines in terms of service or something or i don't know it it, it does it does get close to that line of like are you manipulating people are you trying to push forward a certain behavior like i know this is not harassing people is basically the bottom line of human decency but when it comes to companies that are invested in how you behave i think you're you, it could so easily i don't trust anyone it could so easily become a a creepy manipulative thing like it did with facebook i think i don't think facebook is as evil as people say it is i know yeah. it's a controversial statement but i, I think here's the other thing yeah. like i th- Okay, so I think it's creepy, but also I didn't really care when that whole thing happened with the emotional manipulation in Facebook. And I wonder if that's just because our definition of privacy is changing. Yes. And I try really hard to, you know, to care about this stuff. But ultimately, like, I accept the fact that everyone can buy my data and <laughs> Facebook knows everything about me. Like, it just yep. doesn't matter to me in a tangible way. 
Well, there's no and, way to stop it, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that's the, I think that's kind of the the issue. We kind of we've reached an impasse where we've become kind of laissez-faire about any of this stuff, and it mm-hmm. takes things only as strong as like the NSA, you know, attacks or some other things where people really get after some of your personal data for people to care. I also feel like, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I've had this this thought for a really long time that I'm much more concerned with people I know maybe seeing my personal yes. information, like seeing my emails, seeing my screenshots, seeing my personal things, than having some stranger that I'm never going to come in contact with or a computer seeing it. Yeah. I wonder if that's just because as humans, we can't really comprehend this idea that there are shadowy people far off in the distance that have our data. Like it just, it, it doesn't present an immediate recognizable danger to us. Right. And I think it's because, you know, we care about the people who are in our lives. And like, yeah. so if some, if some random person in a data center, you know, 3000 miles away is looking at my stuff. Okay. Maybe that's creepy, but if I don't know that person in my personal life, like I'm not going to care. I'd be much more yeah. concerned with my boss or my coworkers or, you know, my friends seeing some of my personal things that maybe I, I, I want to keep private and don't want out there. You know, <laughs> I'd be much more, Definitely. you know what I mean? The, that's why I think things like, like the iCloud hacks and Snapchat and things like that are actually scary because people put their whole kind of hearts on those sorts of things. And yeah. when that's leaked, that's why that's so much more of a violation. Whereas I think people look at things like Facebook and it's like, well, okay, or, or Google even. It's like, yeah, okay, so Google reads my email. Great. You know, <laughs> what are you going to do, Sergey? Like, seriously, like, what do I care? <laughs> like, 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 what, like, what do I care? Like, what do I care, Eric Schmidt, if you're reading all my email? I mean, I think you're creepy too. So it's like, I, I, I but yeah, I mean, so I think. Yeah, there's no face on it. There's no face but- on it. Um, I think that that's why people with Facebook especially get much more concerned when, you know, information they think is restricted to only a small group of people gets leaked out to others. Mm-hmm. And and we see that with people getting in fights and, and you know, bullying campaigns and other stuff happening when that breaks out of that realm. But I think that the, the fears over the company itself having access to those things, I mean, sometimes it can be useful, sometimes it's gross. And, and yeah, I think that sadly, as a culture, we're just kind of like, well, yeah, I kind of yeah. expect that I'm being sold bought and sold a million ways from Sunday. So whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, you go to the grocery store and you use your customer loyalty card, then they get like a copy of everything you're buying. And they usually have your address. So it's not that different than whatever access Facebook or Google or whoever has, you know? Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. All right. Well, guys, it is, it is, I'm now, is it time? let's, uh, let's wrap the show. So I should, I should say this, like I literally, before we did the show, I, I, I flew back from France. Um, so I am for me right now is four o'clock in the morning oh my <laughs> for gosh. where my, bo- for the time my body is on right now. So, uh, let's wrap up with, uh, what are we doing this week professionally? Yeah. Uh, so Simone, I'm going to kick that over to you first. Gosh, what am I doing this week? I am recovering from Pack South and all the gravy that I ate in Texas. But I'm really, <laughs> oh my god, I'm looking. I'm I'm really excited about gravy just now that I mentioned it. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back to writing. I took I thought that I would write while I was in Texas. I was like, surely I'll have time. That did not happen. So this weekend, I'm just gonna chill out. I'm going to work on writing, um, and watch anime. What what anime are you going to watch? I'm watching um, baseball now. <laughs> I'm watching O40, uh, which is about little baseball players, baseball nerds. My sons, they're all my sons. I've adopted them. They're so cute. Um, and they're a team of just freshmen in high school who are going to the big game, and it's it's just really heartwarming and lovely. So, so yeah. Christina, I am gonna I am gonna send you on Amazon or whatever a copy of the Melancholy of Harushi Suzumiya. Haruhi Suzumiya. 
Yes. I have, I don't know if you're super into anime, but you are going to love this character. Awesome. Because she has yes. a steamroll. The thing that makes this character so... Oh, so I'll, she's someone that's so unhappy with the status quo. She's like this this woman that's just like possessed. Demigod, basically. Yes. And she goes and makes awesomeness happen in her life all mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. and will not settle for normal, boring people. And yes. it is it is like someone made an anime about me. And I love this character. <laughs> and I think that you're going to respond to the character in the same way. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to send that over to you. And then Yay. we on the show are going to geek out and talk about yes. this. All your wait. anime recommendations from Brianna and not me, because literally all I watch is sports. <laughs> How did this oh, happen to me? That's okay. Which, no that, that actually weirdly is one that sounds like a subculture thing I, I could kind of get into. So oh, yeah. I, I, from a subculture perspective, I kind of love that that's the weird stuff you're into. I think that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank cool. you. Cool. Christina, yes. what are you working on this week? Well, as we're recording this, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. Um, I'm going to be on the Today Show on Thursday again? morning. I, again. Oh yes, again. And, and the 9 p- the 9 a.m. hour this time. So I'll be on with um, uh, Natalie and Willie. Um, talking about someone who they're claiming the nanny cam was hacked. It wasn't really hacked. The person just didn't have a password on their IP camera. And so someone logged in using the default login stuff and was able to watch their child um, through the internet and, and comment. And, and the person, the, the, the nanny got freaked out. The couple got freaked out. Well, understandably. Understandably. Yeah. So I'll be talking about how you can make sure that, you know, you're securing your internet of things, devices, Christina, and, and what, what, what to do. brilliant advice, like have a password. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what I'm doing. I'm basically going on to be like, yeah, so put a password on your, on your IP camera. Uh, this is a drop cam. Put a password on it. Um, I mean, yeah, seriously. Like, I, I wish it was more exciting than that, but it's still the Today Show. So, well, but you're gonna you're gonna lay their their fears that there's some hacking. Thing well, that's, that's the whole thing. Control. Well, you know? that's the whole thing too. Is I'm going. To, I already made it very clear to them. They're like they wanted to use the whole term like you know nanny cam hacking. I'm like this wasn't really a hack. <laughs> um, and but I think that's important because people see headlines, you know, they don't watch whole segments, they see things in headlines. And you can, you know, you got to kind of break this down to like the, the, the main mass per, mass market yeah. person. So, so it'll be it'll be fun. And um, for the rest of the week, you know, just uh, it's, it's earnings, every single tech company is reporting their earnings this week. So there's just nice. a bunch of stuff with that going on. But no, my big news is that I will be on the Today Show. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? There was an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Don't judge me. I like that. I'm not going to judge you. Um, I love Chloe. I would totally be where, where, Yeah. And Chloe was talking about like hacking. She goes, well, I hacked Kim's Kim's voicemail. And I listened to her voicemail. <laughs> yes. And what did she do? She just picked up the phone. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't exactly make you elite hacksaw. No. Chloe, although my, my older sister, my sister is actually very good at hacking people's voicemails for real. I'm not sure how she's been able to do it, but she's got into like all of her ex-boyfriend's voicemails oh my god yeah yeah and and i mean i think some one time i think she even was able she called a phone company and and, and pretended to be somebody and they got got them to reset the passcode and like i mean she does some social engineering stuff (laughs) (laughs) kelly's never gonna listen to this so so no one tell her but about that that i'm like revealing her elite skills i don't want her current boyfriend to know um i'm gonna stay on her good side i'm gonna stay on her good side yeah Sorry, Kelly. I, I totally blew your cover. But yeah, no, she's really good at ha- hacking into people's voicemails. It makes me think of that. But yeah, exactly. It is funny that everybody calls like, 
using Google and and going into an unprotected like uh, like IP camera hacking. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> the police might say that you're breaking into something because the the router was caught was was uh, password protected, but you know it would be a hard thing to prove. Yeah, so instead, yeah. it's just the the big takeaway for people is that just because your Wi-Fi has password doesn't mean that the camera you connect to it <laughs> shouldn't have a password too. Right. That's, that's however a good you tip. can hack everything by just opening Inspect Element in your browser. Actually, I've heard you, you can hack uh, yes. the whole internet. You can hack the entire thing. Everything you yeah. see there, all the yeah. everything that if it ends in .js, you guys, that's oh, just yeah. like just sinister. It's very evil. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. good to know. True story. Can I tweet that out, Christina? That you you totally that? can. Yes. You totally can. <laughs> I, I have to say, like, you, so you're talking about having a sister. This is like when Maddie was talking this week about having a sister. It's like when you know someone that's awesome, and then you find out they have a sister, you're like, is that, are they going to be awesome too? Or are they going to be less awesome? Like that's, is there another uh, yeah. Christina Warren? <laughs> oh, no. She's my polar opposite. And, yeah. Is she cooler than you? Um, in some ways, she is cooler than me, but no, we're polar opposites. So mm-hmm. um, she is, we're, we basically look the same, but reverse coloring. So she's blonde hair, blue eyes, dark skin. Oh. I'm dark hair, <laughs> um, dark hair, um, dark eyes, white, light skin. Um, she was a, she was a captain of the cheerleading squad. I was in Model UN. Um, she was voted <laughs> most popular, most beautiful, most spirited. I was in Mock Trial and oh, no. the drama team. Um, yeah, you know, we're, we're very different people, but we're, we're both feisty. Um, she, uh, is very, uh, she's very good at, at drawing and painting. I'm good at writing. Um, but no, we're, we're very, very different. Our personalities are very, very different. That is so cool. That's so funny how that happens. Yeah, she does. If you might, if you want to, might, she is beautiful. She looks exactly like Kate Hudson, which is kind of freaky. I'll Google your sister, I guess. <laughs> No, I don't like hers. So. No, it's, it's it's sort of bizarre. I'll show you guys photos, but it's sort of oh, yeah, bizarre please do. Awesome. how much she looks like Kate Hudson. It's sort of scary. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like looking at like Kate Hudson's Instagram. I'm like Kelly, really? <laughs> she could be a Kate Hudson impersonator. That could be she her could job. actually that would be a good job. That would that would be a really good job. That would be the best job. And Brianna, what are you working on? <laughs> what this am week? I working on this Wait. week? So I'm going to spend all day tomorrow doing some very important work at Giant Space Cat in my bed sleeping. <laughs> so I am, the nice part about being the boss is you can go, I want a day off. Nobody's going to, what are you going to do, fire me? So <laughs> I am not going to the office tomorrow. I am going to lay in bed and I'm going to play Good. some video games. I'm going to play uh, Grim Fandango so I can talk about Isometric Yay. tomorrow. Um, other than that, ah, oh God, what am I even doing this week? Honestly, I don't like, so my lead engineer is supposed to have a, um, a finished version of, of Rev60 PC ready for me to evaluate. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I had a reporter for Inc. Magazine that has been following me around for two freaking weeks everywhere, <laughs> like on phone calls and meetings with investors. And like I did a, um, I did a, um, a mentorship at a, a game jam over at Northeastern, uh, this weekend. He's following me there. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's um that's gonna be coming out really soon. So it's I th- but I really think it's gonna be catch up this week. I wish I had I can't say I'm going on the Today Show. You win this week, Christina. So <laughs> Dude, just came back from from Paris. You totally win. Yeah, it was a it was a good trip. It was a really good trip. I, I And you got a and you've got a reporter following you around? Come on, Brie, you totally win. <laughs> okay. I'm just a reporter. You have one following you around. That's like way better. <laughs> okay, well I will yep. uh 
I'll leave it there. So, <laughs> anyway, Simone, right. do you want to you want to play us out? Yes, I do. I really do because I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Simone has. To- All right, so. Yeah, that that's your that's where we're leaving it for this week. Christina's going on the Today Show. Brianna's sleeping, and I'm just <laughs> going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so, Brianna, where can we find you online? Space Cat Gal on Twitter. All right, and Christina, what about you? Film underscore girl on Twitter. All right, and I am at Doom Quasar on Twitter. Thank you for joining us for the third episode of Rocket. Can we can we just say we made it to number seven under podcasts uh, tech podcast? Is that right? Yeah, um, we're at number 12 now, I think, um, as, as I'm doing this, but we did make it as high up as seven. Please yeah. rate and review us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. We're like number two in our category in gadgets. Like, we love you guys. Please rate and review us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Us. Just help, Roy. help me so much. fight everyone. If I'm number one, I will fight whoever you know is dude if we're number one up. we'll do so if we're number one we'll do something stupid like i don't know put will i am lame smartwatch around our ankle like it's a <laughs> like it's a security device no, oh wait yes. i already if we're did number that. one we'll have an entire episode of, of <laughs> death cab for cutie yes yes that's what we will have an entire episode of death cab for cutie <laughs> i Just love that picture the album. you took by the way christina that <laughs> yes was it was awesome. very cute can we put that in the show notes you're awesome we totally picture. can all right we totally right. can we'll put that picture out there so awesome guys it is 4 a.m i'm going to bed yeah, okay. so, go to oh, gotta go to okay. bed. All right, awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.